House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm your host today, Al Warren, and joining me for the interview is Michael Hawley. Hey, Michael. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> doing good. So now we're in your specialty today, Jack the Ripper, um, what you're known for, uh, and ripping off Jack. And <laughs> holy, now, so we've got one of the great writers um, all the way from the UK, Paul yes. Begg. So, Paul Begg, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for inviting me. So, Paul, now uh, this just find out where you got started how you've written a lot of books on this subject what got you into this um this killer well I'd, i was not so much interested in true crime or indeed in serial killers at all originally um it was historical mysteries that uh, that i was interested in and of course jack the ripper was a historical mystery so i'd read a number of books uh, as and when they were published uh, on the subject and then it was getting close to the centenary and I was looking for a book to write and I thought well I could write one on Jack the Ripper because I'd researched a, a lot of stuff out uh, about the crimes and I realized that as bizarre as it may sound, that nobody had actually written a book about the crimes themselves and the police investigation. Uh, the big thing then, of course, uh, as, as it still is, is the identity of the killer. And I thought, well, if I didn't discuss the suspects and, and all the rest of it and just concentrated on the crimes, then I would have a book that was pretty different mm -hmm. And so I started approaching publishers with this idea, and that was tough because most of them uh, were wanting a book that offered uh, some a new suspect, and, and I didn't want to do that. So eventually, uh, that man called Jeremy Robson at Robson Books uh, had the courage to go with a non-suspect-related Jack the Ripper book, and that was it, really. Uh, that, the uh, the book was written and published and accepted and uh, proved to be uh, quite successful. And that was uh, the book was Jack the Ripper: The Uncensored Facts. Is that correct? That's right. Yes, yes. Not that there were any facts in it that had been uncensored be prior to me writing it, but uh, or or subsequent to my writing it. But that was a title that the publisher chose just to give it a little frisian of interest i suppose but uh <clears throat> well yeah so. the, the, i'm uh, really excited about this interview because of us that do research within that area we have uh people we call expert of experts and it's funny one of the uh ripperologists on this side of the states uh, uh brian young he calls uh uh, the expert of experts, the uh, kind of a, an Americanism, kind of like in the Dear Boss letter, but an Americanism that uh, the Mount Rushmore of experts. And Paul, you are one of them. Sorry to, uh, oh, you know, and I know you are very humble, but uh, we we're, uh, you know, I, when I was talking to Brian about uh, getting the interview, this was a kind of an exciting time. Especially because I am, you know, I do a, a research on this particular suspect, and what 
what is really wanting is the expert that is really not really a suspect expert, but an expert of everything, and that tries not to kind of be pigeonholed. And uh, and also, uh, you know, the the book that uh, I love of yours is called you know the Jack the Ripper A to Z. Mm-hmm. And and what you do is I think was it the first one it was like 1991, and then That's you keep right, on yes. and you keep on updating. Yep, well, I'm just working with some colleagues uh, now to uh, do do a new update, which should be published uh, hopefully at the end of this year, but I suspect that it will be uh, early next year now because it's just. Uh, just getting bigger all the time. <laughs> my my version is the 1996 one that I have here. So yeah. And then your name, I have uh, Martin Fido's hands uh, signature. I have Keith Skinner's, but I'm looking for yours. So I'm going to take a trip to the UK someday to get this. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, it is. It, I'm I'm impressed that you've got Martin and Keith. Uh, the three of us, we we tended never. We we obviously we got together whenever we could um, but it, it was very rare that we ever got together in the same place uh, for an event of some sort so unless you knew us and and, and sort of we, not that we hid away but unless you came for a beer or something <laughs> the likelihood of coming across the three of us together was was remote so a lot of people have got uh, combinations of our signatures but uh, it's rare to get all three <laughs> which yeah, I suppose I think, makes the book uh, quite valuable really <laughs> well I was excited that uh, Martin Fido was the keynote speaker at the Ripper Conference in Baltimore and uh, and I got to speak myself and so then I, I sneaked his and then uh, Keith Skinner was in Liverpool so I sneaked his and then uh, so but uh, I got him at a weak moment so I could get that so now it's somehow I'm gonna have to find a way to <laughs> do that as well <laughs> but well we I'm I'm available <laughs> and what's the nice thing about also with within the Ripper research community uh, we you know we're focusing on a lot of research and then trying to write the best we can and the the exciting thing, uh, and I've talked about this before. My background was I actually did peer review in the, the physical sciences, and there is a set peer review process. Uh, and then, and when we're working in the ripperology community, it, it's more it, we don't have that set. But there's one area where uh, I wanted to take advantage of is uh, that we have this niche magazine called Ripperologist, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, we—that's where we get to publish. And uh, so, the nice thing also is there is a a book reviewer. You might know him, Paul. His name is Paul Begg. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yes. you've been. I'm it, leaning on a pile of his books right now. <laughs> yes. And what is intriguing to me is uh, we we go through. Uh, we wait for Paul, you, to uh, give us our uh, a book review. Why that's important, and this is why your your very first book, you said that you, you know, you wanted to kind of have an unbiased, uh, not focused on any particular suspect, and in the case of us, uh, the suspect re- researchers, there is a, a lot of times, even some of the experts will say that, why do I want to read that particular book? Because obviously that person's biased, 
And so, and they'll put a spin on it, something to that effect. But what I'm excited about is when you had reviewed my books, you're not biased in that respect. And so it's clear. So uh, that right there, I think, is an exciting thing. Yes, I, I mean, I don't think that it serves any purpose to be biased. And, you know, really, one good thing that comes out of this is that what I think is the most important thing is sincerity. Uh, I've worked and helped research uh, books with, oddly enough, some, some perhaps most controversial would be books by Patricia Cornwell and uh, right. Shirley Harrison on the Maybrick Diary. And um, I'm very happy, to, as, as is Keith, we both have worked with, say, with Patricia, and um, she's very honest, she, she's very sincere, she's very passionate uh, in her belief that, uh, that Walter Sickert was Jack the Ripper. I try very hard not to... Be uh, favour any suspect, mm -hmm. but it's it's important, I think, to to have that freedom of mind because I can help Patricia research her favoured suspect and and then help somebody else research theirs. It's the research, it's the information that they gather that's important. Right. Um, and if in the process they happen to prove that their suspect was Jack the Ripper, then um, so much the better. But the, the real probability is that we will probably never know for absolute certain who Jack right. the Ripper was. And so therefore um, the likelihood is that Jack the Ripper won't be any of these people. <laughs> so, right, right. You, you know, you, you, you're not having to be committed to anything. I, right. I, 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 I like that feeling. It gives me the freedom to look at all the information that comes in um, with, without, as you say, any sort of prejudice. Yeah. The other interesting thing is when I, I look at, uh, there, are, there are a lot of people that have uh, done some credible research, uh, but I do have noticed that some, when I, uh, we have a lot of uh, Facebook, social media groups that were communicating with each other and some almost stop reading or researching and the nice thing is because you're doing the book review you keep up with the material uh, question has has it changed uh, from let's say from 1988 to now the uh, your mind at all on uh, had what has there is it still the same for you the uh, understanding of the Whitechapel mystery yes I, I I think so I'm I mean all the time uh, you get new information and you get a new perspective and the I think that's what keeps you going mm. Uh, I didn't, uh, well, 30 years ago, I didn't imagine that I would be, the 30 years down the line, uh, I would still be churning out material about Jack the Ripper, and I've tried to write other things, but people won't let me. If I, <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the thing about Jack the Ripper has always been that we didn't, we never really had the depth of knowledge, the depth of information 
um, about almost anybody. Uh, and now we're getting that. We, the colleague of mine, Adam Wood, has just uh, written this tremendous uh, biography of of uh, Swanson, for example, who, as you know, was the uh, one of the uh, investigators of the Ripper crime, but a lot of other crimes as well. Right. And that book really sets the, the, the bar for uh, police biographies. But the important thing is, is that now we have a book that gives us a lot of insight into the character and personality of that particular man. Right. And when we come to assess statements that he made, then we are in a better position to be able to assess them properly because we now know more about him. And But we're still lacking uh, that in-depth, knowledge of people like um, other police investigators like McNaughton or Anderson or a full understanding of uh, the newspapers at the time. So basically your Jack the Ripper A to Z is going to get thicker and thicker and thicker. <laughs> uh, it's looking that way, yes. I mean, we're <laughs> changing the format a lot for the new edition with uh, concentrating on, on a lot of other things. Um, one of the things with, with the A to Z that was uh, interesting was that when we first uh, did that first edition of the book, uh, we were very conscious of the fact that almost anything uh, was was accepted. Mm -hmm. We would sorry, we would say things in the book such as um, that that uh, a theory or a book or some article should be treated with caution, which was basically uh, saying don't believe this uh, <laughs> things. But that's not necessary anymore. And, uh, and in fact, we feel quite embarrassed that uh, looking back that we uh, seemed, although we, it wasn't at the time, that we seemed so arrogant that we were in a position to tell other people what they could or couldn't uh, couldn't accept, but nowadays so many people are very well informed about the subject, and as you will have noticed if you've been, you know, following the Facebook sites or or um, other ones like uh, the message boards on Casebook or JTR forums, you you'll see that people have become quite aggressive, really. Uh, yes when they are challenging somebody else's theory, if some, somebody else comes up with something that they don't like. But that's good. That, that, that is showing that uh, ripperologists are not prepared to accept anything, yeah. which is at one point they, is, is what people commonly thought that they would be doing. So, oh, yeah, here's another suspect. Yeah, the ripperologists will all accept that. And, yeah. but, but they don't, and... And what that's it, the big thing that's changed. And so what the is A to Z is changing that way as well. What is interesting about the case book, and this was a, a while ago when I would, was first starting to research and uh, on case book, I remember there are certain, though, there are certain experts, or they consider themselves experts, because, uh, but there's, a, there's that psychological term called gaslighting, where yeah. when someone, here it is, again, today's politics, we see this all the time, but there it is that 
the person had said something and then honestly contradicts him or herself and so convincingly that people that don't, you know, that you almost change, your change of sense of reality is almost changed. And there was a case where this particular uh, uh, person that was, uh, uh, he was commenting about that. And I remember we had already had this dialogue before, clarified it, but he went right back to the original arguments. And then luckily you stepped in. And then so once you stepped in, all the, they, they, like all that noise just kind of stopped. So it was good to have you around at that time. <laughs> doesn't always happen. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, especially some of the what they, people that like profess to be the, the black sheep of the group, they like to uh, continue with that. So it's interesting how that works. So to me, it's good to have someone around to uh, help that. And uh, what's funny is that like Casebook and JTR forums, the dialogue can be pretty darn long. Now, the, the Facebook groups, it's a little bit shorter, so people have to be a little more concise when they talk <laughs> or they communicate. Mm. So sometimes that's good. <laughs> well, of course, I, on Facebook, I, I notice really you get a lot of people who are very new to the subject, and so they are asking uh, all the, the sort of questions that on Casebook, or JTR forums w would never get asked because everybody knows what the answer is. So mm -hmm. it's almost like the thing on, on on Facebook is that you'd get people saying, "Do you think it was the Duke of Clarence?" Mm -hmm. And if you were to ask that on on Casebook or JTR forums, yeah, uh, you would be lucky probably if you got a reply. And if you did, most of them just be no, 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 right. no, no. <laughs> That's right. Right. So it's it's a lot shorter there, and you don't get the depth of research. I, I think um, it's interesting the way that they all break down. I don't know whether you notice, but I think Casebook tends to have people discussing various aspects of the case in depth, whereas on JTR forums you get quite a lot of uh, original research being done yeah. by, uh, by people like Deborah, Arif, and so forth, um, and and so they, 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 you know you get different things on on different sites. Right, and and I wonder if it's because of the the you know like the facilitators like Howard Brown does a great job of just keep on producing material, and uh, which I've actually taken advantage of his his site quite often, and um, definitely uh, because he's finding some really exciting things. And then Casebook also has, you know, the, the Rippercast, which I, I know you help out with, with Jonathan Mengi, yeah. that, that really, it's also another place where people can come and then uh, find, uh, you know, listen to the experts talk when uh, you communicate. Well, I think Rippercast is, uh, is terrific. Uh, it, it always was good in as much as you as you say you can listen to people talk and one of the great things about that i think is that is that when you listen to people talk and it's like you with them when you meet them uh you realize that for the most part these are these are ordinary decent people yeah. uh that doesn't always come across from the written word very much and so um, right. A lot of people get angry with one another, and I think sometimes if they were actually sitting, having a a coffee or a beer or something together, they wouldn't be anything 
right. like as hostile. Yeah. So the, the Ripper cast was very good from that point of view, and it, you, even if you weren't participating and you were just uh, listening, uh, it was interesting to listen to the people and, and, and get a feeling for them that way. But right. now, of course, after, what is it, 10 years, uh, I think Jonathan Menges has built up a, a tremendous archive of, of information and people. Right, right. Uh, and, and a good few of them, sadly, are no longer with us. We've, you know, the, the, old, the old crowd are, are gone. Yeah, we're going to keep you around, though, Paul. I know. Well, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, I've got no intention of going anywhere, but <laughs> but like uh, Martin, Keith, and I, I remember Richard Whittington Egan referring to us as the as the young lions, and and uh, quite recently we've been described as as the old farts, which is a <laughs> much less polite way of <laughs> describing us, but. To have gone from one extreme to the other is quite <laughs> quite depressing. <laughs> so, but that's okay. But still, it's uh, I mean, and you have said it, and I remember Martin Fido was talking about the this uh, the well, I don't know. Within the last ten years, there's been this uh, influx, and it might because of be because of the social media. But there's a lot of interest, even on TV. There's a lot more documentaries coming out. Good and bad, but sometimes it's interesting because some of the documentaries that we'll see on, let's say, the History Channel, that they forgot to talk to the experts, and so they don't. It doesn't have legs, but what it does is it starts dialogue quickly. Even when something on TV, it keeps the the, the Whitechapel murders on the front burner. We had recently when uh, supposed uh, shawl uh, DNA on a shawl kind of. Uh, uh, supposedly confirmed that Jack the Ripper was this particular suspect, and so yeah. we and you were involved with that. But it was nice to come back to have discussion with you, and then when you had that uh, dialogue with Dr. Turi King, who was the foremost expert in forensic genetics, um, mm. kind kind of kind of embarrassed by what uh, the research was. <laughs> well, it's. You know, the shawl is one of those interesting things is that we we have the um, <coughs> the guy who did the the DNA is uh, you know he's fully accredited to do that and he, he's university employed and so forth. So there's no reason to suppose that he's lying or or doing anything of that kind uh, at all. So. He seems to have genuinely got DNA of these individuals from a shawl that, as far as we know, uh, didn't have anything whatsoever to do with a Jack the Ripper murder. <laughs> right. So it's it's kind of kind of strange. I I I I found that I've, I met both. Uh, Russell and Jerry, the the, the scientists, um, and they're both they're both fine people, and and I don't think that, and I think they were sort of um, taken aback by the, the the hostility that they encountered. 
Right. Um, but again, it's down to the fact that people were just not accepting something which they thought could not conceivably be be true. And and I don't know where I don't understand the DNA side of things. So. Right. And I'm I think what Dr. Terry King was Dr. Terry King was talking about was that because it was uh, it was placed in a, a, a peer-reviewed journal. A journal of forensic science that uh, the they would not have hidden some of the data because peer review means you need peers to review your data. But she, I remember she was talking to you about it and saying that uh, there were two marker differences, which means it was a mismatch, not a match, and that uh, that and she was actually one of the referees uh, prior to putting it in a peer review journal, and she said that. In its in its in its uh, how it's written, it's not ready, and so mm. not that she was just completely rejecting it. She said, "In it's written, you know." So, but they they published it that way, and so she was pretty bothered by that. I recall, and then yes, I, I mean she 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 mind you, I mean with Turi when she's talking to you about the DNA, or at least when she's talking to me about the DNA, um, she might as well have been talking to a brick wall uh, <laughs> I I mean it literally all goes over my head I've got no I no idea what she's talking about but um, it's and you, you, it's one of those areas where you have to leave that aspect I think to the to the scientists when when uh, somebody who isn't a scientist on that level gets involved in trying to debate the argument it uh, it 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 becomes uh, a little bit amateurish in a way i suppose well i, I bet uh, one particular area was good that it went through uh, the uh, experts uh, the providence of that shawl and Ooh. that's where we know about you know you know pc amos simpson was definitely a scout yard uh, patrol constable but Catherine Edo's body was not found in their jurisdiction, and I think you guys had kind of uh, shown that, which was a, a quite an interesting aspect of it. Yeah, well, Amos Simpson was uh, a metropolitan policeman, and Catherine Edo's, in any event, was murdered uh, in the within the jurisdiction of the City of London Police, hmm. which is an entirely different police force. And so not only would Amos Simpson have had no particular purpose at being at that crime scene, uh, but he was, uh, as, as you know, the, the Metropolitan Police District is divided up into areas, and his area was nowhere near hmm. the, uh, the East End, so... That that was another reason why he wouldn't have been involved, and I can't imagine that the city police would have given a piece of uh, crime scene evidence, right. such as it was, to to a metropolitan policeman. That just doesn't seem to make sense at all. Right. And sadly, there's no uh, no part of the story to tell us why. Uh, right. uh, why, why Amos Simpson would have got this, and we, you know, you know that lots of policemen, if they were 
on duty somewhere in London at the time of Jack the Ripper, then that gets brought into their little story that they they tell and uh, they they recall quite genuinely. I I, I think in many cases how they had to keep an eye out for Jack the Ripper. But in fact, they were miles away from the East End uh, at the time. But it gets into their little retirement stories that are put into the newspapers or which the family come to believe. They, right. it, Amos Simpson may never have said that this has anything whatsoever to do with Jack the Ripper. He could have said uh, that it was to do with a Whitechapel murder. And oh, yeah. The family would just assume Right, and then continue that way for sure. Yeah, the, uh, and also the the particular suspect involved is actually a credible suspect. The uh, and then uh, so at least uh, we still have kind of discussion with it. I think it was is Kazminsky is the one. And that's right. Yes, I mean Aaron Kazminsky or Kazminsky has been now a suspect was, was mentioned in the McNaughton memoranda of of 1892 so he's uh he's been around for a long time as a suspect albeit yeah. that we well we still don't, still don't actually know who kosminski was although i think it's fairly certain that it was aaron kosminski but okay i know and then uh ideas of nathan kaminsky i think is another uh, uh i think martin yeah talked about so it's uh to me it's uh the the research is what is exciting when I first got into this uh just like most everyone is like okay uh, this is kind of a cool mystery let's see you know what I can do and uh but then immediately I realized when I grabbed my my first brand new 1996 copy of Jack the Ripper A to Z I realized oh my gosh there is a lot of information here <laughs> that there's actually a phenomenal amount of research within one particular suspect, one particular police officer. Every single aspect is being researched. Yes, it's 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 uh, it's. I think it's one of the exciting things about Jack the Ripper, and I I say this all the time. And it's a point that people get bored with it, but what interests me i think is that a subject like jack the ripper it gives the opportunity to everybody um to look for and research and and perhaps find uh some tidbit of new information which uh is always welcome and always interesting but there are uh, and getting fewer, I'm afraid, uh, real feathers that people can get to put in their cap um, by doing their research. Uh, I mean, just for example, one would be a photograph of, of Inspector Aberline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have one. Whoever comes up with that will probably be made in in Ripper circles for the foreseeable future. Right, um, right. Along with whoever identifies Mary Kelly, or you know, there are there are these things that are out there for people to to find. But it's the little bits of information that are so uh, so welcome that just help to flesh out the stories and and to tell us more about what was going on. And that's something that anybody can do. You don't have to. 
have a university degree in in, in history or, or anything. It's just a matter of reading books and uh, looking at original source material and doing everything else. And um, and there are people out there who are doing brilliant jobs at, at, at doing that. Well, the I think you're going to be uh, reading a book soon by Tracy Ianson. She's finding some more material on that suspect, Jacob Levy. Uh, that's so, right, yeah. So she, she's uh, talking about some exciting things, so that's really interesting to see what that is, too. Uh, yes, indeed. I'm waiting waiting for that. She's uh, That book has been promised for a, for a little while, so... Um, I'm I'm quite uh, on tenterhooks to be able to see <laughs> to see right. that one. Right, and uh, but I do know that uh, you know sometimes waiting on the publisher, <laughs> it's like you're promising and then it it doesn't happen for another six months or so. <laughs> I know it's it's it, but it it's been it's been on the stocks for for quite a while. So and I, I, Adam Wood's publishing it, and I was talking to Adam earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Hopefully he'll be, uh, be 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 on that as soon as uh, as soon as possible. Well, make sure he uh, keeps on working on his next ripperologist article issue too. He's got to get that out. <laughs> yes, that, that's what we were talking about today. Fortunately, the slight delay that he's uh, been been going through uh, over the last few months uh, has meant that uh, I was able to finish off. Uh, another pile of book reviews, so we got a huge book, <laughs> book oh, great. section this time around. <laughs> but uh, not too many Ripper books in it, unfortunately, mostly yeah. related titles. But uh, right, yeah. yeah. And I think I have an article in that particular one coming out, so I'm looking forward. Oh, good. To it. Right. <laughs> so. Don't give him a bad yeah. review of that one. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when my next book comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's any real new information that's coming out or has come out lately? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, lot of stuff coming along. Uh, it, it's I have to say that that I'm very grateful that that I've got um, two co-authors uh, along with Keith. Uh, on the upcoming A to Z because it's terribly difficult to try and keep up with all the new stuff that's coming out. It may not be um, massively important, uh, but there's a lot of uh, fresh genealogical information emerging. Uh, People have been doing a lot of research into the uh, so-called non-canonical victims, so they you know they're identifying them and and their histories and where they came from. That work is, has always been going on, but is is continuing to go on. And I think that that there's a lot in that area. There's a, a, I'm hoping that we will see a lot more emerging as people look at some of the peripheral characters and help to build up the story um, an area of, of particular interest of mine which I, I'm getting around to bit by bit is the way in which Jack the Ripper is is I think probably unique in that uh, 
the, the impact that he, he's made on on uh, on social history and and the fact that we've had uh, you know United States bomber in the Second World War was called Jack the Ripper. There was a train called Jack the Ripper. There's a toilet spray called Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Strain of marijuana called Jack the Ripper. Uh, I have that toilet spray right in front of me, by the way. I do. <laughs> I actually have it on a shelf just just behind me. Uh, they must have uh, done remarkably well with, it's with called the laboratory toilet spray. <laughs> but you know that have all the way in which Jack the Ripper has impacted in that way on on uh, on things today. And in the Ripperologist, for a long time, every issue we would have. Uh, various quotes that people had uh, recently things that people had recently said that involved Jack the Ripper usually sort of comparisons but um, there's no other person I think who has made such a big impact on on us, you 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 can you can drink a Jack the Ripper beer. You can go and have, which I don't necessarily approve of, but you can go and have Elizabeth Stride Burger. You can do. Uh, there are restaurants, there are clubs, there there are movies. Jack the Ripper crops up in television programs, and goodness knows how many um, storylines for television, movies, and everything else have got. Uh, been inspired, if you like, by by Jack the Ripper, yeah. and th- so there's a, a huge untapped area there for people to start doing research if they felt so inclined. It's, it doesn't help us uh, identify who the Ripper was, but I'm not that bothered about that aspect of of the case personally. I, I'm just uh, amazed at the way that the Ripper has, as I say, impacted on 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 society. Well, why do you think um, that is? Like, what wh- what is it about the Ripper? I mean, you've re- reviewed a lot of writers and read a lot about mm. this and written. What what is it exactly about the Ripper? Because there's been far worse killers and there's been far more violent killers and and things. But what sticks out about Jack the Ripper that we have spray in our bathroom? You know. I think, well, I think it all goes back originally to the fact that in 1888, uh, people, senior police officers and members of the judiciary and and uh, doctors, they un- they they knew about serial killers. They didn't have the terminology that we do today, so they didn't. Uh, you know, they didn't start off with. They didn't call them serial killers. They they knew about uh, these people, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, discussion about um, about them. And they they were trying to decide whether it was some sort of moral degeneracy or or whatever it might have been. But the average person, the average man in the street, didn't know about serial killing, and the idea with Jack the Ripper was that he murdered uh, women who had nothing and these murders that had no 
obvious gain were frightening and they I don't think people really understand just how scared people were in in 1888 mm. yeah. and this was a new and terrifying phenomenon the idea that there was somebody out there who you'd never harmed never even met who wanted to hurt you and even kill you was for most people something that was completely and absolutely new and that led people to speculate they they tried to give Jack the Ripper a motive and that's where we get the ideas of the deranged doctor the mad midwife and the uh, the, the religious fanatic and so forth and that's what people did for years afterwards they would speculate about what sort of person the Ripper was and that continued right up until really the 1960s and I suppose one of the last people seriously to do that would have been Robin O'Dell he wasn't naming a suspect, an individual but he was referring to the type of individual that the Ripper might have been and I think that that once that ball started rolling once the mystery uh, sort of took a hold then Jack the Ripper and very very quickly I mean I'm, I'm talking about within years of the the murders uh, Jack the Ripper start, took on a, a, another life so we had the real murderer but we also had another character who was um a sort of gothic horror creation who uh, inspired books and stage plays and stories like The Lodger by Belloc Lowndes and uh, that's carried on through to today now no other murderer would do that again because there would only been one that started it mm. and so and also, history is a fairly arbitrary thing. I, I often ask myself, of all the marshals in the Wild West, there's only one, really, that sticks in everybody's mind, and that's Wyatt Earp. And you think to yourself, well, why? Mm. He wasn't yeah. necessarily the most upright yeah. law right. officer yeah. at the time, but uh, but he's the one that people, people remember. It's like Al Capone is the gangster that uh, the people mostly remember yeah mm. and, and <laughs> I think Jack comes out of it that way but I think it, it the whole origin is in the fear that mm. the crimes created at the time and the way the people subsequently tried to explain and get rid of that fear by providing Jack with some under what for them was an understandable motive. Hmm. With, within the community, Jack the Ripper uh, community, what is it that makes people so serious? Uh, you know, like their opinion or their idea, their book is the right one and everyone else is wrong. Like, what, they're so uh, aggressive toward each other. Right, Al, mine's right. Remember that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Paul, did I interrupt you? <laughs> uh, well, I, you know... I always let the little people go first. You know, it's, it's easier. Um, 
I think that what it boils down to, to be honest, I've thought about that quite a bit now. Uh, I think the trouble is, is that uh, people come to Jack the Ripper and they do their research and they read the books and they think about the books and they think about what they've read and uh, they they decide whether what they've read is is right or wrong and they invest something of themselves into that conclusion and when that conclusion gets challenged they take that personally instead of realizing that it's the theory that's uh, been attacked they think it's them that's been attacked and that and you know it's understandable we we all feel that way and I think uh, I, I would certainly do and I think everybody else does as well it's very tough to take yourself out of things and and uh, and say no you're you're actually right there or I'm sorry or whatever it's people defend their own thinking they've invested a lot of themselves into it mm. Fake news. so I think that's one reason why and I gotta tell you that uh, to me if any anyone wanted to kind of get involved with this now they need to uh, to me in my opinion is is get Jack Ripper A to Z even uh, even one of your older ones, but whenever your new one comes up, because it really does give a good overview. And then if you get interested in a particular area, for example, for me, my suspect is buried an hour and a half away from me, so that started my interest. So this right here is uh, uh, would be the first thing I would recommend, definitely from uh, Paul. Well, that's very kind. That's very kind. But the interesting thing is that in the early days of when I was getting involved in the subject uh, I was fascinated by the fact that so many people at that time and there weren't some back in 1988 there weren't <laughs> that many books around um, but a lot of people like yourself uh, it's interesting what you just said they get involved because there is a local connection yes. and I suppose in a way but i having been born and bred in Cardiff which is where Mary Kelly is supposed to have uh, gone and, um, uh, and and been introduced to prostitution by her cousin who was living there and so <clears throat> I I went to the local library and was looking through the uh, local evening newspaper uh, hoping that the, that the South Wales Echo and the Western Mail would actually be containing it, would have done some research and uh, and found out more about Mary Kelly being a local person, um, which unfortunately they they didn't really do. But uh, there were other people who were interested, either, strangely enough, they either became interested in, they were interested in Druid, and through that became interested in the local history of Blackheath or they were interested in the local history of Blackheath and then got interested in Druid right and so they had a, a, a wider range of specialist knowledge uh, about areas and that was always 
very useful to have as well because they knew more about <coughs> the area mm -hmm. than I would have done and lived there and they right they knew mm -hmm. the knew all the uh, the history and and so forth so that was that's another interesting aspect of the case it, it, you can you can pick up on the local right features that are mm. local to you so ripperologist uh, what is it and how do people get a hold of it what the magazine yeah yeah um well it started ripperologist started off uh as the um as as the the, the, the club magazine of a, of a society called the Cloak and Dagger Club, which is now called the Whitechapel Society, and it um, it then took off on its own, and it's been going now for about oh gosh, how many issues have we done now? Something a hundred and fifty around there, yes, odd issues, something like that of uh, of. 30, 40, 50, 60 pages uh, a time yeah. and uh, if you look it up on the internet you'll find the, the the contact details there and it's free so all you have to do is subscribe uh, to it and uh, provide your email address and with any luck uh, it will duly land on your Computer. <laughs> yeah, it's not the yeah. doorstep. I was, trying, I was going to say doorstep, and I was, I was desperate, desperately trying to think of an alternative. Wow. So now you've but, got yeah. several books out. Do you have a website yourself as well, or do they just get it through Amazon? No. No? No, it's just Amazon. Okay. Well, perfect. If, uh, if people are, are interested, it's, uh, um, I think... Uh, I'm not sure if they're all still in print anymore, to be honest. I, I know that... Um, well, there's still about ten of them are. <laughs> <laughs> and I've even seen your very first 1979 book there, too. <laughs> yes, that, that crops up. That's uh, into thin air. That's... Uh, yes, that's my... My fond little child looking back <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Well, Paul, it's been wonderful talking with you, and uh, we'll have your books up on our website so people listening can just go one click and pick up your book. Um, oh, that's been, good. Thank you. We've been talking Jack the Ripper, and we've had Paul Begg with us. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.